die? Do you want me to kill your mother? And he asked in a very harsh whisper, like, do you want to die? Do you want me to kill your mother? I just told him, I don't care. Okay, so um, those were, were threats and a phone call from one of the great monsters of American crime in the last century or so, uh, a rapist and killer who's, I hate to use and the... And torturer. And torturer whose notoriety was not nearly enough because many of his crimes were not tied together till substantially after they were committed in the 70s and 80s. Uh, known originally as the East Area Rapist in the Sacramento area, later dubbed the Golden State Killer. Yeah, I've been um, referring to him the last hour as just the scumbag, because I, I understand we do that so you know who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it but shouldn't sound cool. No, I don't want him to have a cool nickname. He's just a freaking murderous scumbag. inhuman monster. Uh, at any rate, um, the perpetrator of these and probably other horrific crimes after far, far too long was finally and thankfully apprehended by the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department working with a number of law enforcement groups uh, around California and and elsewhere. And Sacramento County Sheriff Scott Jones joins us in studio. Mr. Sheriff, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I almost called you Scott. Sorry about that. Hey, I've been called worse. Yeah. So, listen, first of all, it was a great day for justice yesterday. Uh, Well done to you and all your folks. Thank you. Um, How did you figure out who... Um, who's who's lived in the Sacramento area, uh, evidently, for decades. How'd you figure out who was the monster? Well, it was interesting. I mean, we have just a million leads, and this guy was never on our radar, never on any list that we'd checked out before. Um, so how we got to this guy is, um, you know, and I'll be a little circumspect just to preserve the integrity of the investigation and the prosecution, but uh, basically very emerging DNA technology. I mean, traditional DNA hits is you get a sample, you compare it, it's a hit, you got you got to match very little, you know, work to do. Mm-hmm. That is not the case in this technology. This we took this a known sample of the offender from the uh, DNA samples left at the murders and and, and rapes and we uh, utilized this technology that gave us a universe. And I analogize it to instead of now having to look north, south, east and west, it says look east. So it does narrow it down some. It does put us in a direction of a universe, but it doesn't cut down the universe a great deal. There's still some very good detective work that has to go in at that point to start paring down that universe. And well, that's where the detective work comes Tell in. us what you can't tell us, but, I mean, you already knew it was a white man of a fairly narrow sure. age range. Yeah, right. yeah, so we obviously had uh, eyewitness profiles and, and certain information we could get from the DNA. So that helped us uh, even more, obviously. But, um, you know, the detective work br- kind of pared down that um, that universe. And when we got to D'Angelo... Uh, and started looking into his background, his timelines, his history, um, we started thinking that this guy might be good for it. We started getting cautiously excited. Can you give us any idea how he got on your radar screen? Well, it was from that DNA and the detective work that flowed from um, kind of pointing us in that particular universe. And then it was detective work. And, you know, there was a lot of folks we were kind of interested in. And you say, okay, well, some of these people in this universe never been in Sacramento. They have no ties here, so we can exclude those. A lot of them got excluded quickly. Some of them, they say, okay, well, this person's dead or this person is um, never been to Sacramento. This person's African-American, whatever it is. And you pare down and then you get a, a smaller universe and you get to this guy. Um, and we did. And we said, okay, well, we need to find out more. So we got some discarded DNA from him. We did start it up with some surveillance, got some discarded DNA. It wasn't a good enough sample to do a full profile, but on the markers that we were able to capture on that discarded DNA, 
it was 100% match on those markers. Mm. And that got us a little m- more cautiously excited. And then so we surveilled them, got a, a better sample of discarded DNA, and, of course, got a full profile and a, and a 100% match. Well, how much time has law enforcement been spending on this over the, over the years? And as a taxpayer, I'm not sure I would have wanted you spending a lot of time on it. <laughs> you know, five years ago, for instance, because, you know, while obviously – is a horrifying unsolved crime if there's little chance of you know you only have so many resources right um yeah i mean that's that's certainly one perspective but you know i can tell you that it's not only of interest in our department and it always has been in fact one of the few pass alongs i got from john mcginnis was the importance uh to the community uh, he was the, the, department. the prior sheriff correct the sheriff ahead. right before me um was that this is important not just to the department but the community I really didn't fully appreciate that So when statement. one sheriff transferred to another, it actually came up in conversation. Yes. It was still that much in yes. front of mind. That's, that's surprising. And I can tell me. you that since I've been sheriff, not a week goes by that I don't get a phone call, an email, or some sort of tip or information or inquiry about it. Um, it, is, it is very much on the minds wow. of well, Sacramento no idea. the region. Yeah. yeah, feelings are still raw. I read a lot about this a year ago or so, um, and, and the number of texts I've received from friends talking about growing up in that area and the terror they felt and the things their dad said and the yeah. precautions their moms and their sisters made. And the feelings are raw about it still. Everybody, ha- everybody that was here has a story about it, yeah. about what they did or didn't do or conversations that they had. Uh, I, I, Scott Jones of Sacramento County, California. Is yeah, this. I just think it's interesting because uh, um, at some point, I mean, 30 years from now, if they hadn't caught him, you'd give up, right? I mean, at some point, you'd, you'd, you'd give up. So. Well, I don't know that we'd ever give up. It may go into a, a state of kind of a cold case or uh, put on the uh-huh. shelf for a while. Um, and that's kind of what happened. I mean, we've always had an interest. We've always followed every lead. Um, but Anne-Marie Schubert, the district attorney here in Sacramento, and I um, really started having some conversations about it when she became the district attorney. Uh, we both had a passion to solve it, and that, hmm. that culminated in 2016, um, putting together a working group from around the state. And you guys, being up on the latest crime-solving technology, said essentially to each other, this might be worth really getting after with the new stuff we can use? Well, it wasn't only the new stuff, because that really wasn't even around. That wasn't contemplated. The stuff that we actually used wasn't contemplated in that two se- 2016 meeting. Oh, wow, even that recently. Yes, okay. but yeah. what we wanted to do is get all the people together, and there's you know 10 different counties or more, involved in California with murders and rape, sexual assaults, and, and certainly burglaries. And so we wanted to get everybody together, compare notes, get a, a as much data as we could as far as this person's MO, uh, to link as many crimes as we could, and to put as many set of eyes and, and have the advantage of what leads and so forth, investigative um, opportunities each of the agencies have had. So we did that. The FBI was kind enough to get on board with a, with a tip line and some pub- publicity and, and a reward money. And so we just, from that point forward, um, you know, it's simple things. Like there was no digitization, no no mm-hmm. computerization of reports back then. So we had to digitize these voluminous reports, just mundane things. But getting everything up to speed, following up on leads, going back through the investigation. So that was the first thing. Um, and just an absolute commitment in our department to dedicate resources, time, and, and, and staff to do it. Same with the district attorney's office and, and some of these other agencies. And uh, as we just became in our consciousness, this kind of technology came aware to us, uh, became aware to us in the recent uh, times, and it just wouldn't have existed several years. Well, ago. right. So with with the technology for for that, and then the fact that everybody's got a cell phone with them and everything like that, right. a scumbag like this couldn't pull this off anymore. It'd be pretty hard. Well, absolutely it? not. Thank God. I mean, because if you think about the times that he committed his crimes in the in the mid to late seventies and early eighties. 
Um, there was no DNA testing. There was fingerprints, of course, and of course, you know, we didn't have any of that. And you could call people and hang up and get away with it. And all That's that sort correct, of stuff. right? And yeah, there was no uh, Star Sixty Nine. Right. I guess is, was the first thing. Yeah, well, and this guy was a cop for a period, so he, he had was. great knowledge of investigative techniques and evidence and the rest of it, which is part of how he got away with it. Uh, we should point out that Joseph James D'Angelo Jr., age seventy-two, is the alleged perpetrator of all these crimes and hasn't been convicted yet but how long was he by name on your radar screen before you arrested him six days less than a week wow i mean when we got to him and started looking at him we immediately went up on surveillance and got some dna because we knew at some point dna was going to solve this case we had the sample of the suspect Mm -hmm. we just didn't have any match so somebody getting arrested somebody in jail some family member that said hey it might have been my dad who passed away take my dna and get some familial connection um, we knew DNA would ultimately solve this crime. We just didn't know it would be quite this way. So, and, and is the way you got onto this guy something similar to what you just described? Somebody close to somebody? No, it wasn't okay. at all. It was, uh, again, a technology that will all come out. But at this point, I, I just want to preserve the integrity of the, of the investigation. Of fair enough. Fair enough. Well, unless he pleads out to everything, everybody wants a conviction if he's guilty. So, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, I've, I've known some cops and... <clears throat> It's just, it's not hard to imagine that you do that line of work and you deal with a lot of the worst of humanity on a regular basis that cynical might be overstating it, but you get a pretty realistic view yeah. of the dark nature of human beings. But this one's got to be shocking even to somebody like who's spent their whole life around bad people. It is shocking. And obviously this predates all of everybody's career who is mm. in the department now. Um, and I certainly don't, I mean, I, I moved to, to, in, to uh, Sacramento in 1980, so I, I don't really have any independent memory, but the district attorney does. She was a girl and had a couple of sisters uh, that were young uh, pre-adolescents and, and teenagers. Um, so everybody has a story and a, and a memory of, of the East Area Rapist, as we knew him then um, from that time period. So uh, th- just the horrific nature of the crimes um, and the prolific the nature number, of his offenses right? yeah. Yeah. Um, it just makes this, I mean, he very well could be one of the most prolific serial murderers, serial rapists. Uh, certainly in California history, maybe in, in the nation's, is it, it really is akin to catching Jack the Ripper. So, you know, that, the shock of the crimes, um, you know, yesterday it was, it was, it, you, you can contrast that to the absolute joy and gratification for those victims that, that occurred, you know, yesterday or in the last couple of days. It's, uh, it's beyond compare. It really is. It's a, it's a feat. It's a thing of a life of a career for me. Right. I was just going to ask, and with all due credit to, all of the jurisdictions um, who were part of this, including the FBI, what's it feel like to avenge, essentially, to stand up for and come through for so many innocent victims? It's it, got to be an amazing feeling. It is incredible. I mean, it, there's not just the, the dozens or scores of, of direct victims, but obviously the indirect victims, the oh family members, which could be in the hundreds. And all those people, you know, we have, you know, justice was delayed in this case, but it, it now it will it will certainly be sure. And uh, they had to wait a long, long time. And I, we all got in this business in one form or another to, to help victims, save people and protect people. And the, 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 the extent that we got to do that yesterday as a department and as a law enforcement community of multiple agencies, um, there, there's no compare. I will, I will remember this uh, as a career highlight for the rest of my life. We're scumbag right now as we speak. He's sitting in the Sacramento County Jail. Is he alone, or is he with a group of people? He's actually currently on suicide watch. He is um, acting out a little bit when he got arrested. Uh, not when he got arrested, excuse me, but when he got to the, the jail and um, raised some concerns, some behavior that led our folks to 
to uh, be you know cautious, obviously, follow protocol. So he's on suicide watch, which means he gets very close monitoring uh, by not only law enforcement, but professionals as well. Uh, I'm going to ask this for the record. How sure are you you have the right guy? Myself, I'm 100%. Okay, fair enough. So uh, you got a celebrity. I mean... I, I hate that that's the way the world works, but you got a celebrity in your in your jail. That's got to be its own kind of weirdness. It is. Does everybody want to get a glimpse of him and that sort of thing? I mean, we're a very large sheriff's department. We're seventh largest in the country. So we've had a lot of celebrities. We've had one of the Escobars. We've had the Unabomber. We've had, you know, Dorothy yeah. Puente, which is a, a local serial killer in Sacramento. We've had, we've had, uh, We've had a number of celebrities. What do you think the trial will be like? Is this going to be quite the uh, media know, circus, I wonder? I, I think it will be. I mean, if you think back at, uh, trials of this nature, you know, with with some of these serial killers that we've caught uh, historically in this country, um, they don't even compare to this guy. Right, and this guy has a, is an interesting story. I mean, I tell you, I want to know what happened in the last yeah, forty years. Absolutely. Going on that on. note, uh, Sheriff Scott Jones of Sacramento County, why don't we take a quick break okay. and come back and, and follow? Sure. If that's that all right. was my yeah. first question yesterday. What has he been doing for the last thirty years? Yeah. That's going to be fascinating. Yeah, more coming up. Uh, If you've got a question, text me, 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got a couple of questions off the text line for the sheriff. Welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Sheriff Scott Jones, Sacramento County Sheriff, is with us talking about the arrest of a suspect in at least a dozen murders, at least 45 rapes, over 100 burglaries, uh, monstrous victimization of innocent people over years and years in the 70s and 80s. Uh, one uh, James Joseph D'Angelo, is that right? I Joseph James. Yeah, Joseph James D'Angelo, age 72. Apprehended at his home. A wife there? Grandkids? Anything? Or was he alone? Um, well, he uh, he was alone at the time of his arrest, yeah. Does, does his wife live there? No, I, don't, I believe it's uh, he's either estranged or divorced. Okay. I'm not sure. But he had, a, he had a wife and kids that I assume knew nothing about this. That is uh, correct. Wow. We, and we talked to family members who obviously were, as you would expect, quite shocked. Now, I know you're, you're seeking, among other things, to tie him to other crimes, and that's a big part of this. But is it possible that this monster stopped committing crimes in the mid-'80s, roughly, and has not taken victims since then. And that's a that's a great question, and a question we've asked ourselves not since the arrest, but I mean throughout the course of the investigation, certainly the renewed investigation since 2016 is, you know, especially serial rapists. They, you know, it's it's something that they have to feel like they have to feed, and and for someone to just stop uh, is very unusual. So I guess it is possible to answer your yeah, question. Yeah, it's a compulsion. For a compulsion to go away is just... But we on. are, you know, it's very possible that he engaged in those crimes with a different MO that perhaps wow. aren't linked to what we know about him. Um, you know, 40 years is a long time to change your, change your practices. But it is, you know, it is possible. Maybe he... Um, yeah, who knows? It would well, be I've, speculation. I've read about a couple of serial killers who got their jollies other ways. They just stopped. They had, like the BTK killer in Wichita, he had kids. His life got a little complicated to be a serial killer anymore, so he just engaged in, 
you know, weird sexual practices and that sort of thing. But yeah, and obviously that's what we're looking into. We're trying to see if there was some substitute uh, actions, and you know, talking to family and um, folks that were close to him to see if we can get some insight. So that's that's all part of it. The arrest just happened Monday, so that's all part of the. The ongoing, you know, the, the real work, at least in terms of the building the case, starts now. What are the chances that this guy, like many serial killers, wants everybody to know what a criminal genius he is and he'll just he'll tell all? It's hard to say. Uh, as time goes on, I'm sure he's still in a bit of a state of shock. I'm sure he didn't realize that Sunday night would be the last night he breathed free air. Um, but And he didn't give a statement uh, that evening, uh, Monday evening after uh, two investigators um, after he was arrested. So... Um, it's hard to say what, if as as the reality of a situation may settle in, he may need to feed other things, and that that may be part of it. I don't know. I mean, I certainly hope so. I think I think that would help the the closure process for for the victims. So I certainly hope that there is some of that. But um, we'll just we'll just wait and see. Either way, the, the end result's still the same. Likely a death penalty case, as if California actually well, executes think, anybody. Well, exactly right. Um, you know, the death penalty in California just means. At least, hopefully, they'll die in prison of more expensive for the taxpayers. Yeah, right. So, um, I I I do believe that Ventura filed special circumstances. So that is, uh, I think, it's a death penalty eligible down in Ventura at this point. Um, But it doesn't have to be. Obviously, the the special circumstances don't have to be filed with the murder charge. That could come later after deliberation by the DA's office. But let's face it: if he was twenty-two, he'd never be executed in California. So the fact that he's seventy-two, I mean, it's moot. So yeah, exactly. It's really a distinction without a difference for a seventy-two-year-old man. Have you met the guy? Uh, met him. I've, I've like, seen him. I was I was present for uh, part of the uh, uh, the interview uh, the night of his arrest. Do you? I don't know what the protocol is. Do you have any interest in talking to him? I mean, can no. you wander over and talk to him just because you're kind of interested in what the guy's like or anything? Or do, you, uh, do, no, do cops I, not do that? I have no idea. I, I certainly wouldn't want to give him any audience. I don't. Gotcha. He's 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 got nothing that I need to hear. And plus, I obviously I don't want to. I don't want sure. to mess up any of the investigation. So yeah, there's, you know, I'd I'd much rather talk to the victims and get get kind of their stories and how their feelings rather than his. Well, kudos to everybody involved, um, including the uh, Sac County DA, who really was one of the engines behind. Yeah. Uh, really working hard on this case. It was a hell of a good day for justice. It was. Uh, it was a very good day for justice. We got a long road, but let's hope great, things stay on track. Step. Is yeah. there anything yeah. the public can? Because there, he was he was given no signs for people who lived around him or anything like that. Well, where was he? Yeah, no, he was not yelling like a lunatic well, in his garage and that sort of thing. He's not well, the only guy doing that. my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's that's well, let's sit your sides. <laughs> no, um, there are, there are folks like that in every neighborhood. Sure. So there there. I mean, we. Investigators, if they've talked to the neighbors, I, I'm unaware of the content of that. I've only seen what I've seen on the news, where the newscasters have interviewed the neighbors, and there appears to be you know typical story. I right. wouldn't have never expected. Right. Yeah. Right. So, well, but if you're a, a a repeat murderer and rapist, you're good at keeping a. Low that's what I was going to say. Yeah. The best, best, the most effective serial killers are ones that are sociopathic, and they're able to be right. a certain level of charming, or at least right. assimilate. The ones that aren't, they just get caught. They don't become serial killers because good point. They right. get people hinked up and they get the focus of the investigation on and they get caught and this guy just didn't sacramento county sheriff scott jones uh sheriff we appreciate it very much Thank thanks for stopping by appreciate yeah it. he answered a lot of questions marshall will have the latest in his news coming up in a little bit and this will be a story we'll be following for a long time and if there's a trial man that is really going to be something to cover and probably unbelievably grim you're listening to the armstrong and getty show A lot of you are really caught up in the whole um, uh, making sure we say alleged when we're talking ah, about the killer. And yes. 
And assuming he did it, it's a good thing the law enforcement man is so sure they've got the right guy. Why don't we just not even give him a trial and send him straight to jail? You guys are so certain. You well, know, we don't actually have the power to do that yet. That well, texter is an alleged idiot. What What are you, what are you worried We about? know. We, the, the, the sheriff can't do that. Trust me, we can't. First of all, the guys did it. He's guilty. Yes. Secondly, the process is still going on. Full on, wholeheartedly. Uh, exactly. And I would suggest to you that the whole idea of a trial is that the cops say to the, the judge, we're sure we have the right guy. And then his people say, oh, no, you don't. And then a jury decides. So, yeah, we're familiar with the whole trial thing. And we hold it sacred. Have you not heard my lectures on why you should serve on juries? Maybe we're... But we th- you know what? We thank you for your, your dedication to the principles of American jurisprudence. We could be tainting the jury pool, I suppose, when I say things like the guy is obviously the guy. I'm tainting the jury pool. You get to. Uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, prosecutors expect to file more charges against the suspected Golden State killer, Joseph James D'Angelo, arrested over the years. 45 rapes, more than 100 home burglaries between 1976 and 86 have been linked to the serial killer and rapist. It's thought that he was breaking into homes in Visalia. Yes. And had to kill somebody to get away. And then moved to the northern part of California and became a cop in Auburn, California, Correct. where he continued his his, his uh, you know his uh, career of horrors. Then did, in the Sacramento area, did he get forced into killing somebody and then decided, hey, I really liked that? Well, he didn't. They don't think he killed anybody for a while after that right. and just raped a bunch of people. Right. But then he started killing again. Uh-huh. And among the many cities that are looking into you know past crimes, both Stockton and Modesto have stepped up saying, hey, we want to talk to him about, and they named some more rapes and some more crimes in their jurisdictions. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, as the sheriff just said, he could end up being one of the most uh, prolific mm-hmm. serial killers in our nation's history, which actually, now that he's arrested, would be a good thing, right? Because it would solve a whole bunch of crimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Sheriff Jones pointed out a couple of interesting things that we'd actually figured out for ourselves, but that when he was fired as a policeman in Auburn, California, it was for shoplifting yeah. a hammer and dog repellent, right. which were obviously tools in, in his horrors, and uh, and that when they came to him, he said, no, I don't want a hearing, I don't want to appeal, that's fine, I'm fired, goodbye, which ought to be a huge red I'm sure flag. nobody does that. Right. Sacramento County DA Anne Marie Schubert says investigators have been searching for this suspect since they began their careers and even before. Many have dedicated their virtual entire professions to seeking this answer. For many of us, it was more than a professional commitment. It became personal. The first crimes were committed when she was 12 years old, and she can remember how she and her sisters were so scared by what was going on. Wow, I'm, I'm surprised by that. Um, I, I would have thought at some point you just think, you know what, my time and efforts are best put somewhere else. What not... indicators did they have that he was even alive at this point? Yeah, I know, I know. Meanwhile, That's interesting. Meanwhile, comedian Pat Oswalt is crediting his late wife for her work in pursuit of the so-called Golden State Killer. Michelle McNamara made it her mission to find the person responsible for the crimes. She died in April of 2016. Oswalt finished off the book after she died, and now he's given a shout-out to her. You did it, Michelle, even though the cops are never going to say it, but your book helped get this thing closed. 
Golden State Killer Case, the subject of the best-selling book released this year called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. You know, when we figure out how this guy got on the cop's radar screen specifically, and they're not saying yet, right? Um, it'll be easier to figure out whether the book played a role or what. The renewed interest in the case in general. Right. So I saw this tweet yesterday. I didn't actually watch the press conference. Maybe you all can confirm this or not. Mm-hmm. I saw this tweet from somebody who said the uh, the officer speaking at the Golden State Killer press conference just sort of brushed off the contributions of Mich- of Michelle McNamara's book. Um, yeah, I didn't see that Q and A. I didn't either. That that they said no, that didn't have anything to do with it. So I don't I don't know. Did somebody actually say that? And this is somebody in the neighborhood who says we believe that her book had something to do with it. So. I don't know. And I'm not sure it matters, but... On another matter, amid a string of recent stories about men brought down over the last six months by the hashtag MeToo scandals... They were brought down by the fact that they're pervs. That's what brought them down. Some are already eyeing comebacks. Page Six is reporting Charlie Rose, who lost his CBS anchor and PBS talk show host jobs over sexual harassment charges. He's going to become an architect, designing homes where he can see the shower from all angles. (laughs) Now, Charlie's being slated to star in a show where he will interview other high-profile men uh, felled over similar scandals, including Matt Lauer and Louis C.K. Matt Lauer can suck it. That would be... A huge ratings getter. That's bizarre. I think it'd be fantastic. They're just both on the couch in bathrobes, loosely tied. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Freshly showered. Uh, That's hilarious. Um, Tina Brown from Vanity Fair. All the camera people are all dudes because they can't be trusted. So Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Tina. (laughs) Charlie Rose is tied in with the most powerful people in practically everything everywhere in the world. Right. Yeah. Which is why I miss his show every single day. It is not good for anything that he's not on the air. I mean, it's justice, but anyway. um, He's trying to get Tina Brown, who's powerful with publishing and Vanity Fair and all this, to be part of it. And she said she won't be part of them trying to make a comeback. But I think Charlie Rose interviewing Matt Lauer and Louis C.K. would be freaking... How could you not watch that? I think it would be, uh, yeah, hypnotizing. And I don't know what Tina Brown is worried about. bizarre. I don't know what Tina Brown is worried about or anybody would be worried about. If they're trying to put one over on us and aren't actually, you know, ashamed of themselves or whatever, we'll get it. They'll be roasted alive. They'll be... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. They will have to air so far to the other side of things that... But if they're full-on... I I don't I can't even imagine I mean that'd be interesting to hear I have a compulsion a yeah. sick compulsion and it was my power that let me get yeah, away that'd it, be interesting yeah, that yeah yeah it is rather a bizarre notion though do you want like Larry Nasser to interview uh, uh, sexual predators on a TV show or what how far does it go see that's the problem Charlie Rose is he did some bad things some pervy things uh, uh, just it feels very weird to me. Hmm. You don't want to know more about the mind of these people? Well, yeah, I, do. I absolutely do. I do, but like, I, I how far would it to go? Get paid for it? Would no, you have Larry Nasser, yeah, the gymnastics yeah. coach, yes. uh, gymnastics yes. doctor, yes. sicko, yes. doing a show? on I don't it. want him to make any money, but him explaining what his thinking was with other people like that, yeah, I think it'd be beneficial actually to yeah, everyone. I hear you. But you're right, Sean. The money thing. Yes. They, nobody can make a cent yeah. off of it. Well, and I they got, each have to take a beating. At the end of it. <laughs> I, I got a beating a, with a like a smallish <laughs> ball bat. 
I got to tell you, Tina Brown revealed the uh, news. She confirmed to page six that she had been approached to produce the series and had passed on the idea, but said, I can't remember when she asked who's behind the show. Uh. It could be Charlie Rose himself, as you were uh, it's a, indicating. It's a pretty damned interesting idea. Yep. Um, there was a, an article over the weekend. Some Somebody anonymously who says they're still in contact with Charlie Rose said he thinks he's going to get back on TV. Mm. I think he's delusional, but I don't tell him that. Can they set this show up as a, kind of a game show? Would that work? <laughs> I don't know what the format would be. number one. <laughs> Why couldn't you get a robe that fits? <laughs> or, or maybe... Uh, on a reality show. Have them all staying in the house. So a new 20-something joins... A new 20-something joins your company. What do you do first? Herbert number one. Wow, that's a tough choice. Let's see. Ask her into my right. office and shut the door, I guess. I lock her in the door lock with the, my yeah. button on right. my desk. No! That's wrong! That's wrong. <laughs> the guy, number three, what do you do? The guy with the bat comes right. out again. Ask her if she'll massage me naked in my hotel room. No! No, you don't get it! Oh... Uh, that is a wrap. That is your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show. Again, the conscience of the nation. That will never air. Charlie, we nobody, need nobody will do Question it. for you, Charlie Rose. Where do you shower? In front of your interns. No, no, no. You just, why, why don't you people understand this? You don't think it'll happen? Uh-uh. God, it would get insane ratings. And you have all the money to go to some, you know, good cause, some... Time's up. Hashtag me too. Good cause. I don't know. It just seems like a pathetic effort to rehabilitate themselves. Just self-serving. No matter how you couch it, it's self-serving. If they came off as self-serving, I think it would just destroy them. They're already destroyed. But yeah. It would destroy any last ember of them coming back. You gotta have Harvey Weinstein produce it. With special effects and car crashes. Oh. Uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Conscience. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, what is this? This is an 18 year old dude who uh, has a girlfriend, and his dentist is his girlfriend's dad. And he went to his girlfriend's dad. Oh, 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 I'm not on. I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> and he went to his girlfriend's dad to have his wisdom teeth taken out, which means they got to put you under, and you get a little loopy. And it went like this: Your daughter, I love her so much. <laughs> That's good. That's nice of you. You so. have no idea. She is the biggest blessing in my entire life. <laughs> I love her. Well, I'm and, sure. I know, like, yeah, I'm 18, but honestly, like, I really could see myself marrying her. <laughs> she can wakeboard. She can do all these amazing things that and I just love her with all my heart. Yeah, you see, my concern would be that as why I was under, I would start talking about the amazing things she can do. Yeah, and it ain't wakeboarding. <laughs> right. <laughs> She can wow. she wakeboard. I love that so wow. much. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, son, that's you have my blessing. Keep in mind, you'd be marrying into a family where when you're incapacitated, dad will videotape you and post it to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. There's another clip of that? Is it uh, more? It, it keeps going on. Yeah, okay. yeah. 
And I know you heard that, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, well. Like hearing that from me. Yeah, no, it's not a problem. We love you too, Jaden. I, I just really want you guys to love me too. We do. <laughs> Done. We, swear? Yeah, well, I swear. We do love you too. Um, do I know you guys? Yeah, you do know us. Do you, I annoy you? Annoy? Oh, yes, you do. I know. I know, I know everyone. But in a good way. Uh, if you ever see Nicole ever again, please just let her know that I love her so much. Okay. Well, I suspect I will, probably, in two hours. That could have turned so ugly. Oh, that's hilarious. It's ultimately very sweet. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. My gosh. Yes, it is. You nice know, people. I, I should just take it on face value. I just can't imagine... Yeah, it could have really turned ugly. Oh, you have a dark, dark soul. Uh, that's not, it's not, a beautiful I don't, I don't think story. that's dark. You're just you're incapacitated yeah, and your id's running wild. Oh, she can wakeboard. And... <laughs> you ever heard the one about the trailer hitch? Yeah. You ever seen her in a cowboy hat and short shorts? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, golly. <laughs> yeah. Then he waits until it wears off and then takes out your wisdom teeth. I want to thank you for having that really soft blanket in your laundry room. Oh, jeez. We put that on the dryer. <laughs> wow. I uh, got a couple of texts. Charlie Rose hot tub. So they all get in a hot tub together. Oh, boy, that's it. That's our format. The hot, Charlie Rose's hot tub talk show. Oh, the jet's turned off. You know what that means. It's time for a lightning round. Oh, boy. Still clinging to the... Okay. Um, yes. Wasn't a showstopper, but it certainly slowed it down. If you get the <laughs> if you get the award winning fourth hour, we're going to talk to former sheriff in Sacramento County who was on the case. I presume to whatever extent all those years that nobody knew where the scumbag was hiding, or if he was even around. You could have thought he was on the other side of the world, but anyway. So we'll hear more about that. Something we barely have time to touch on, but um, I want to briefly. Do you know the uh, National Football League? It's a very popular sport. Yeah. Uh, somebody taped the meeting of the owners and players representatives recently in the league's headquarters in Park Avenue. I guess it was in October. The New York Times has obtained an audio recording of the roughly three-hour meeting, and uh, Colin Kaepernick came up a bunch. Uh, The kneeling, the social activism, Trump was discussed a lot. Um. Nobody really addressed specifically why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. Why he doesn't have a job is because it would immediately be a huge and divisive news story in whatever market he's hired. And nobody said that out loud, but it's, I mean, it's just, it's self-evident. It's a no-win situation. Yeah. Yeah. They're smart enough not to say that out loud. To say that out loud. Yeah. Is it, though? I mean, his, even though he's not in the league, his jersey sales still rank among the top. There's, it, it is not... It is certainly a controversial hiring, but there would be a certain number of fans that would now follow your team or buy the merchandise. Or it, it, it's, it I could, could be, be controversial, but I, I don't necessarily agree with the fact that it's an automatic net loss. If I have a business that's worth a billion plus dollars, though, you're asking me to gamble on a completely new approach to having fans and, gathering. And fans. then from a, um, I'm guessing that season ticket holders on average, lean, stand for the damn anthem. And that's who they're worried about. Yeah. 
Yeah, but he's it's it's beyond question. He's a good enough quarterback to be in the league. Oh, I mean, no, it's, it's not, not even, even no, no, not, not even, even a question. Um, and I feel bad for the guy. I I disagree with him on a lot of stuff. I think on on some things he's young and misguided and a little dumb, and he's got a hot hot girlfriend who's putting crazy ideas into his head. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, he's an earnest young man who's trying to make a difference in the world, and he's. He's been at times an unbelievably effective quarterback, and he's certainly good enough to play in the league, and I feel kind of bad that he can't get a gig, Um, even though I disagree with him, because I'm not like some of y'all who just hates everybody who disagrees with you. He didn't call the plays first and goal from the four or whatever it was. Oh, boy, let it go, Jack. Let it go. Um, He could have punched it through on that play, retired, and gone down as the greatest NFL player of all time for the rest of his life. Could be. Robert Kraft, who's allegedly a good buddy of Donald Trump's, says this kneeling. The problem we have is we have a president who will use that as fodder to do his mission that I don't feel is in the best interests of America. It's divisive and horrible. Yeah. And then uh, Jeff Lurie, who who does he own? I, can't I believe he was the Eagles right. or owner. He says, we've got to be careful not to be baited by Trump or whomever else. We have to find a way not to be divided, not get baited. Yeah, they know what they're dealing with. Yep. Um, somebody just said, I held my breath for that entire YouTube video for what that kid was going to say. Yeah, no I know. kidding. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.